Aren't you glad that Jesus is your friend today? You know what a wonderful joy that is just to wake up each morning and to think that you have a friend who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That gives you some rank. I mean, that you, you, can, you can go to Him anytime you have a need and He listens to you. What a blessing that is. It is a joy to be with you again here at Baptist College of Ministry. I always look forward to the music here at BCM. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, blessing to be able to hear some of your CDs. The last time I was here, I took some of them with me. My family have also enjoyed them. And for all of you who are involved in the music here at BCM, I just want to say thank you for the encouragement that we have received and I'm sure many others receive as they listen to you. Praise the Lord and continue uh, to have a, a, a wonderful level of music that will encourage others. I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Mar uh, Matthew, chapter number 9. Matthew 9. We're going to be reading a very familiar passage, Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. As I begin this morning, I'd like to uh, just mention a couple of things about myself. First of all, I am a Bible translator. I've had the privilege of working on 11 different translations of the Bible, and I always look forward to the next one. Uh, at this present time, we're finishing up the Old Testament translation in Mongolian. I was just in Mongolia a few weeks ago, and by God's grace, we have completely finished our first book, the very small book of Jonah. Uh, but we thank the Lord for that. We've also done the initial translation on the books of Genesis, Exodus, Judges, Joshua, 1st and 2nd Samuel, and all of the Psalms. So that's a, a great stride forward. We have four full-time translators and then an American missionary who is overseeing the project. Our goal is to finish within another seven to ten years. So if you would, please pray that God would help us to be able to translate all of the Old Testament for the people of Mongolia. This will be the first time that Mongolian has ever had a translation of the Bible that has been translated from the original languages. When we translated from Greek into Mongolian, that was the first time that ever had a New Testament uh, in uh, Mongolian translated from Greek. The previous translations were all translated from English. Uh, the main translation which is used in Mongolia, used by missionaries over there, was translated in three years by uh, three people who had been trained uh, none at all, not at all, in Bible translation. They had been saved for six months. They were given a New American Standard Version of the Bible, and they said, put this into Mongolian the best way you can. And in three years, these three people finished the entire translation. Um, if you know much about Bible translation, uh, you know that that process is not recommendable. And you also probably have a good idea that the translation is not all that great. Mongolian pastors will tell us often uh, how deficient it is and how that it needs to be corrected. When I first arrived in Mongolia, a pastor called me up and he said, why haven't you come to see me? And I said, sir, I, I, I don't believe I've ever met you. I, I don't know why. Why should I come see you? And he said, you be in my office tomorrow morning. So I went to his church and I went into his office and I said, I'm here. How can I help you? And he said, why haven't you contacted me before? And I said, well, I'm not sure if I if I wouldn't even know who you are. And he said, well, I'm one of the three original translators of the Adyun Bible, the Bible that everyone uses. And I said, oh, well, it's very nice to meet you. He said, well, why haven't you contacted me? And I said, well, um, you know, I, I didn't even know who you were, and I didn't know how to contact you. He said, good. He said, now, what is it you're going to do? And I began to explain to him the process of how we were going to translate the Bible. And his entire demeanor changed. 
And he literally began crying. And then I thought, okay, well, now this is really strange. Okay, because at first he was upset at me, and now he's crying and weeping. And I said, brother, could you help me understand why you're crying? He said, yes, sir. He said, I have been praying since 1996, when we finished translating the Audion Bible, that someone would come here and do exactly what you're planning to do, the same way that you're planning to do it. He said, you are an answer to my daily prayer. I said, wow, praise the Lord. He said, brother, he said, I'm a very busy man. There's no way that I could even begin to be part. He said, and as a matter of fact, you probably don't need me anyway. He said, but just know that I support everything you're going to do 100%. You know, isn't it amazing that even before we begin to go out and serve the Lord, God is raising up people wherever we're going to go that are going to be there to encourage us and uplift us. And, and maybe they're even praying for you right now. As the terrible news came this morning of what had happened in Cameroon, I was thinking about the people of Cameroon. And I wonder how many there are praying that someone would go and take Brother Charles's place. Such a horrible tragedy. And yet God can turn a tragedy into triumph because He's that kind of a God. And I just wonder if maybe there's someone here that God would use to reach those people in that dear faraway land. Oh, how they've hurt, how they've struggled. And recently, it's a dangerous, dangerous place. A few months ago, I was in Mexico. I was down there for a time of preaching and teaching. I was by myself on this particular occasion, which in looking back was probably good. I had pulled into the parking lot of a convenience store next to a gas station, and I was on my way to another city to preach. And I'd stopped for some breakfast. It was about 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning. And as I pulled in, uh, began to walk towards the convenience store, another car pulled in next to mine. Five men jumped out of that car. And what kind of surprised me was that four of the men ran to the four corners of my, my Tahoe. And they took up a post at, at all four corners of the Tahoe. The other man who was dressed in a pair of blue jeans and a, a thick, heavy coat, it was kind of a tan color made out of leather, he, as soon as he saw me, he reached inside, and, and I could tell from the way he was holding this thing, it was a gun. And he started walking quickly up towards me as he started to pull it out. And I looked right at him, and I smiled, and I said, Hi, my name is Bill Patterson. And he just stopped, and he kept his hand inside of his coat. And I said, I'll see you later. And he said, okay. And he kind of moved back. And as I walked toward the pickup truck, he nodded at the four men. They moved away from the truck, went back to the car. I got in, pulled off, and, he left, and I left. And I said, Lord, thank you that I didn't just get shot. Can I tell you something? I could have been shot that day, and you could have heard the news. And God didn't stop that man this morning. And we can't understand why. It's hard. We can understand why that man didn't oversleep. 
why he didn't not put the bullet in that gun or that shotgun that he used. We, we don't know those things. But what we can do is decide to trust God. And we can say, Lord, you are good no matter what happens. And Lord, I, I can be faithful to you no matter what happens. He is worthy that we should serve Him with all our life and be willing to pay any price. He is worthy. When Pastor Gilmore and I were in Ecuador a few months ago, we had the privilege of visiting Minkaya and Diwe, two of the men who killed five missionaries in 1956. And I'll never forget the words of Diwe to us when we were there in Tiweno. As we were about to leave, he said, there is a message that I would like for you to give as you tell others about us. And I said, okay. And I really wondered what kind of a message would he give. And he said these three things. He said, number one, he said, please do not send more money. I said, okay. He said, number two, please do not build more buildings. I said, all right. He said, and number three, please send us men who will teach us the Word of God. Pastor Gilmore could tell you that in that area where so many missionaries went after the horrific deaths of those five missionaries on the banks of the Kurarai River there in Ecuador, over 350 villages came to hear the gospel because of missionaries who faithfully took God's Word to them. But today there are 14,650 villages that still haven't heard in that area of the Amazon jungles of Ecuador and Peru. And there is only one American missionary in that entire area. There are two Mexican missionaries. There is one Peruvian missionary from what I understand. And that's it for 14,650 villages. And I have to ask, why are the laborers so few? Matthew chapter number 9 Verse number 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why are there so few missionaries? We hear of a world with 7 billion people, according to the latest statistics, around 7,000 independent Baptist missionaries have been sent out of the United States, and praise God for that, but wow... 7,000 missionaries reaching 7 billion people. Now I realize there are others who are preaching the gospel. Praise God for that. And, and churches that have already been established in those countries. We th certainly thank the Lord for that. But could we just agree for a moment that the laborers are still very few? Why is it then that the laborers are few? I want to give you three simple reasons this morning that I believe the laborers are still few. Number one, because of a lack of prayer. You see, here in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 38, Jesus said the laborers are few, and then He says in verse number 38, Pray ye 
therefore, that is because of this reason, since the laborers are few, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into the harvest. The first reason that I believe there's a lack of laborers is because there's a lack of prayer. Uh, I think we all, at least from what I understand here in this college, understand the importance of prayer. I'm so encouraged by what I hear that's going on here in the student body and in the faculty and the, the leadership of the church and of the college, an emphasis on prayer and spending a significant time every day in prayer with God. My friends, there is a great need that we should pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers into the harvest. Now, you might ask, why is it important for me to pray for something that God already knows is a problem, since He is the one who has the ability to make the difference? Well, you're right. Prayer is probably not going to change God's opinion of the need, but it might change my opinion of the need. See, prayer may not change God's heart, but maybe it's going to change my heart. And so that's why I need to pray. I need to be praying because it's God's way of working on me and helping me to understand what's true, and maybe I've neglected to recognize this truth. So we need to pray. God's promised to listen to our prayers. We could look at many, many verses, but let me just draw your attention to a couple. Psalm 91 and verse number 15. Psalm 91, 15 says this, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. The Bible says that if I'll just pray, God's going to hear me. God's going to answer me. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 65 and verse number 24. And it shall come to pass, oh boy, how I love this verse, that before they call, I will answer, and while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Isn't it wonderful when God answers our prayer right away? We pray and we see an immediate answer to prayer. Oh, wow. That just encourages us so much. What if you began to pray for a particular country? Uh, a friend of mine in Mexico, who's a missions pastor at a church in Mexico, began to encourage the students of a college where I teach in Mexico to, to pray for a country that they would consider themselves to be the intercessor for that country. And so he, he got out a map and he started looking through all the names of all these different countries and he wanted to pick one that he felt uh, could be his country. And he chose the country of Antigua and Barbuda. Now, that country's name in Spanish, Antigua y Barbuda, Antigua means very old, but it's feminine, and Barbuda means bearded and feminine. Okay? I want you to think of that old lady you know that has a beard. And he thought that was the funniest name he'd ever heard of for a country. And he began to pray for Antigua and Barbuda. And Antigua and Barbuda. Every day he was praying for Antigua and Barbuda. Antigua and Barbuda. I was with him this last January. And uh, he said... Brother Billy said, what do you know about Antigua and Barbuda? And I said, well, I began to tell him a little bit about it, the population, the number of churches there, five missionaries in Antigua and Barbuda as far as I know, and uh, just some of the work that's going on there in Antigua and Barbuda, and of course the horrible hurricane and the devastation that occurred here not too long back. And, and he said, boy, I'd love to go to Antigua and Barbuda. He said, do you think that's even a possibility to go there? I said, oh, sure. You don't even need a visa if you're going to stay less than a month. And he said, oh, wow began to pray 
At the end of that week, he said, Brother Billy, he said, I believe God's called me to Antigua and Barbuda. He said, would you help me figure out how to buy a ticket to go to Antigua and Barbuda? He's leaving next week for Antigua and Barbuda. He's going to go over there. He's going to spend one month. Uh, he's already made contact with a missionary in Antigua and Barbuda. He's going to be staying with him, be in the church there, uh, be out soul winning in Antigua and Barbuda. And he's going over there kind of as a survey trip, coming back to Mexico after this trip, raising support. He's planning on getting married and will be heading to Antigua and Barbuda as a missionary, hopefully this next year. Can I tell you something? I don't believe that that prayer changed God's perspective of Antigua and Barbuda, but it certainly changed His perspective of Antigua and Barbuda. And so I believe the first reason why there's a lack of laborers is because there's a lack of prayer. If the divine solution to the problem is prayer, then why do we keep talking about it? You know, Pastor Van Gilderen, I, I've never seen in the Bible a missions conference. I've, I've never seen even one. And yet, I see this command for us to pray that God would send laborers. So I want to encourage you to maybe grab a hold of this and say, okay, I want to be that person, that young man, that young lady that is going to pray for laborers. Number two, why is there a lack, why is there a lack of laborers? I believe the second reason is because there's a lack of vision. Look with me at verse number 36. You see, this all began in verse number 36. It says, But when He saw the multitudes. You know, when Jesus saw the multitudes, that's when everything started changing. I believe that the reason that there's a lack of laborers is because there's a lack of vision. It's a lack of seeing what's going on around us. Uh, yesterday I heard the amazing news that right here in Milwaukee you have a group that has come all the way from China, the Hmong people, and there's a large population of them right here in your own backyard. Why would God bring those people here? You know, maybe it's because He wanted them to hear the gospel. Uh, the United States has become a melting pot. I take a group every year to New York City of young people and we train them on what it's like to be a missionary. And we're involved in all types of research all throughout New York City, working with different people groups. And in New York City, there are 2,200 languages that are spoken. Imagine that. 2,200 languages. You know, I believe there's a lack of vision. I believe there's a lack of just going to where the people are and sitting with them, spending some time with them, being able to see them. I love traveling the world. Uh, just three days ago, I had the opportunity to be in my 53rd country. Uh, I've been around the world 17 times, and I must tell you that the more I see of the world and the more I see of what's going on in the world, the more my heart is burdened to pray for them and to consider what God would do to raise up missionaries to go into all of the world. Uh, I had the privilege of being in eight countries in the last six weeks and, you know, that's a tremendous blessing because of airplanes. We can travel around the world. We can be in these different places and be able to preach and to teach and to see God work. And I just ask you if maybe what you need is just a little more vision of what is going on in the world, to understand what is going on in the world, and just pray that God would open up your eyes and help you to see. The fact of the matter is there's a great need one of the greatest needs, and of course, this is very dear to my heart, is Bible translation. The Bible is the greatest book that's ever been written. And oh, how it stirs our hearts. 
How many of you have memorized portions of the Bible? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have memorized John 3.16? Would you raise your hand? Would you say it with me? All right, excellent. I, didn't, I heard so many of you saying it with me in Greek. Um, that's excellent. How many of you have memorized that verse in Greek? I mean, other than Dr. Himes. Okay, so there's a few of you. What if that were translated into Hebrew? Can you say it with me in Hebrew? In Hindi, that verse says, in Spanish, porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pierda mas tenga vida eterna. And in English it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now how many of you would say that last one that you just quoted, that's the one that really gets me, that's the one that really encourages me. Would you raise your hand? How many of you would say, boy, when you said it in Hindi, that was just, oh, but it didn't get my heart. Okay. <laughs> The reason why is, unless we understand it, what good is it? You know, Paul said it's better to speak five words that people understand than speak thousands of words that people don't understand. This last week when I was in India, I loved speaking to all of the students in their own language. And I believe they're on the campus of South India Baptist Bible College. They speak 36 different languages. Uh, I unfortunately only speak about 10 of those. And so as I would go around campus and I began speaking with some of the students, I mean, not the whole language, okay, but bits and pieces, uh, speak with them in their own language, they really love it. You know, I come up to a student and speak to them in Telugu. Telugu is one of the languages that I speak, and, and boy, they just love it for you to speak to them. Or if you'll speak to them in English in their particular style. This morning when I was in my class, I was talking with all of the people there because uh, when I'm in India, I preach normally this way. Because if I preach to them in the normal American accent, they cannot understand me. But if I go on talking in like this in Indian English, then they are able to catch much easier all the words that I'm talking about. I remember once several years ago, I was in the conference, and uh, one of the pastors came from India, and he was speaking on the secret of success. And all of the people there, they just kept on going, what is the secret of success? But I finally understood, you know, when you understand from an Indian accent a little bit, then it's very easy to understand also all of those who are in call center. If you ever have to call call center because of your credit card, you know, you call the call center, hello, yes, I'm very willing to help you. Any problem, please tell me all about, you know, if you can speak to them in a way that they understand, people will listen to you. Number three, why is there a lack of laborers? There's a lack of compassion. Now I'm skipping over a whole bunch of stuff. But you notice what it says in verse number 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that as Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom in verse number 35, he took the time and stopped to heal every sickness and every disease among the people? You ever wondered why he did that? I believe he did it, first of all, because he could. He had that ability. He could heal people from sickness. He could heal people that were, that were hurting. He could do it. He had that ability, so he did it. But it was because he had compassion on them. He felt their pain. Compassion could be described as feeling the pain that another person is suffering. How do we show compassion? Well, what are we able to do? What ability do you have? 
What talent has God given you? Are you willing to use that talent to help others that are in need? Maybe you have a talent of cooking and you could prepare food and give it to someone who hasn't had a decent meal. Maybe you have the talent of uh, being able to teach someone how to read and write and, and they're not able to read and write and you take time to teach them because you can do it. You have that ability and you decide to use that as, as a way to help people who are in need. I believe one of the reasons Jesus did it was because He could. I believe He, he did it because he, he had compassion in His heart. I believe compassion will change us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 8, some having, pardon me, it says in 1 Peter 3, I've just quoted from Jude, of some having compassion making a difference. That's in the book of Jude. But in 1 Peter 3 verse number 8, it says, Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. God wants us to have compassion. You know, everyone feels that somebody ought to do something, but quite often no one does anything because we just don't have compassion. So I want to ask you this morning, why are the laborers so few? And what can we do about it? Well, I believe there's a lack of, there's a lack of prayer, there's a lack of vision, there's a lack of compassion. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go soul winning in an area of Mexico called uh, Tamuanchan. I reached the door, knocked on the door, and a little girl came out. She's six years old. And this little girl looked up at us and she said, yes, how may I help you? I said, well, is your, is your dad here? And she said, no, no, he's working. I said, well, is your mom here? No, she died. And I said, well, do you have any older brothers and sisters? And she said, no, I'm, I'm an only child. I'm the only one here. And I said, well, if you were to die today, are you sure you'd spend eternity with God in heaven? And she said, well, no, I don't. I said, do you want to know that? She said, yes, I need to know that. And so I took a few moments and I showed her how to get saved. A few days later, her dad got saved and they joined the church there in Tamuanchan. That day when I finished, she began to cry. And I asked her, I said, what's the matter? And she said, why didn't you come six months ago instead of today? She said, my mama died, and according to what you told me, she didn't know about Jesus, and she would have gone to hell. Why didn't you come six months ago, and you could have told her too? And I said, I'm sorry. I wish I had have come six months ago. Do you realize that there's people in hell right now that are praying for you to go tell their six-year-old daughter what they have to do so that they don't spend eternity separated from God in hell? I didn't tell that girl that day, but in the same way that there was a rich man in hell praying that God would send someone to talk to his brothers. I believe there was someone in hell that was praying that God would send somebody to talk to that little girl and to her husband so that they wouldn't die and end up in an eternal hell where it was too late. And I want to ask you, are you willing to heed God's call on your life? Are you willing to begin to pray? 
Are you willing to have a greater vision and have a greater compassion? Because if you would, you might be the difference between a laborer going to someone or someone dying without Christ, not ever having heard the gospel. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. Impress upon our hearts this truth, O Lord, and let your will be done. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and no one's looking around. Is there anyone here today who would say, Brother Bill, the fact is, I know God has been working on my heart and I believe He's calling me. I've never completely told God that I'd serve Him anywhere He wants me to serve Him, do anything He wants me to do, but today I do want to make that commitment before God. I want God to know that I'm willing to go anywhere He wants me to go, do anything He wants me to do, pay any price necessary to get the gospel to those that have never heard. And you'd say, please pray for me. I'm making that decision today. I've never made that decision before, but today I commit myself to making that decision. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe you're here today and you say, no, Brother Bill, the fact is, I've probably prayed, but I, I don't know that I've prayed the way I should, that God would send more laborers to those areas of the world where that there is such a great harvest, but there's not enough laborers. And you'd say, please pray that I would be faithful in my prayers to the Lord. W would you be willing to admit that before the Lord today? God bless you. Thank you. You know, I, I agree with you. I feel the same way. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know, I believe my need is to have a greater vision and a greater compassion for the lost. I want God to put into my heart a love so great that it even hurts when I consider the needs of the lost. You'd say, please pray for me. I need to have that kind of love, that kind of vision, that kind of compassion. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask our sister to play just a small hymn of invitation. But if God's spoken to your heart, you need a place to kneel and pray. Would you find that place this morning? God has spoken to you and there's a decision you need to make. Just let God's will be done in your heart and life. Amen. Amen.